Mac Observer's Mac Geek App, episode 560 for Wednesday, July 8th, 2014. 15. To, yes, 2015, the year of well, whatever it is, the year of and the Mac Observers Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in all your questions and we answer your questions and share your tips. And next week we will share cool stuff found. In fact, that's Sunday. Uh, so this show will come out on Wednesday and both editions will be out today, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, and then Sunday we will be recording a cool stuff found episode. So make sure you send those in feedback at MacGeekGab.com. That's how that's going to work. But for today, we're answering your questions. Plus, we're also talking about all of the new stuff that Apple pushed out upon us last week. And uh, and it's going to be fun. Smile Software with uh, Text Expander 5 is a sponsor for the show. We'll talk more about that later in the show. Also sponsors, Linda at LYNDA.com slash MGG gets you 10 free days of their excellent training videos. We'll talk more about that. And a new sponsor to the show, Bushel at B-U-S-H-E-L dot com slash M-G-G. Awesome. Uh, I-O-S remote management um, that we'll talk about too because it's for, it, it's totally built that, so that you don't have to be a geek to do this. All this great stuff. All today here on Mac Geek Gab and here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, now in 2015, I don't know why I said, why did I say, I, I don't know, I... I'm I'm 99% back with all of us because yes, as as you know, I was quite ill in our last show and managed to mute out the uh, hacking up a lung uh, episodes, except for one. But um, we're professionals, and we, and we try to extend that to you, so you don't have to hear me coughing things up. But yes, this is John F. Braun. And part of being professional is not telling people that we were hacking up lungs, but that's okay. It's a, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't resist. Hey, so I have a new workflow today, John. You know, uh, last week I started messing around with, with logging the timestamps while we were mid-recording. And uh, Pete helped me out with it because uh, it was sort of a new thing and we were typing them. And, and it, it required far too much brain power to look at a timestamp and then type it into the right part of the uh, of the agenda so that it was matched up with with where we were and then start the next item. Right. There's a lot that goes on when we say, and now let's read, you know, so and so's question. And so just that extra brain power of reading and typing was too much. And I mused at the end of the show, perhaps Keyboard Maestro could help be part of this workflow and solve this problem. If only it could slurp the timestamp out of the recording. Well, it turns out it doesn't need to. In fact, I worked with the folks uh, at uh, Peter over there, there that makes Keyboard Maestro. And he taught me how to create a... The cool part about Keyboard Maestro is when you set a variable inside Keyboard Maestro... It lives beyond that one script. So I have one little action that sets a variable and I also have it click the mouse when it sets that time variable and I float the mouse over the record button. I hit the macro and so it starts the recording at exactly the same time that it resets the time. And now I just have this timer going. And uh, and so I also created a second little thing with keyboard maestro where with one keystroke it just pops the timestamp in so i don't have to think about it i just do it and we talk 
So we'll see how that goes, because if it works well and if I, I can function doing it without totally losing containment here, uh, it means that we can get the AAC with the chapters and the MP3 actually both now have chapters uh, if your podcatcher supports it. Uh, but we can get both versions out immediately. Um, it, it means that we need to work with Michael and, and find him, uh, reassign him internally here and, and make sure he's, he's still got stuff to do because I think it's really important that we get these shows out as quickly as we can for you. And now we have the technology to do so. So keyboard maestro for the win. Uh, we'll see. It's, it's, we'll see where it goes. So with that in mind, John, shall we go to our first topic, which for today is the OS where we're to Apple released a bunch of stuff uh, this past week. And, oh boy. Uh, yeah. W- it, which is good for us because. Right. <laughs> well, and it is good, right? So the first thing that I, and we'll talk about this, it was all sort of hinged around the, the timing of the launch of, of Apple music. And that's actually the last thing we'll, we'll get to here. Uh, but 10.10.4, Yosemite OS 10, 10.10.4 finally came out on, uh, I believe, Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. And the one of the best things about it, it, it this fixes a lot of my problems. Uh, two of them I will talk about. Uh, I, it is the first OS 10 update that I immediately went and installed on every Mac on my home network here. Usually I kind of roll it out piecemeal. Uh, This one, I was ready to roll because it replaces one of the biggest things it does is it replaces Discovery D with MDNS Responder. Now, what does that mean to ask in John Braun fashion? What what does that mean? I mean, was there a problem with Discovery D, Dave? So OS 10, I can almost certainly say yes. Yeah. OS 10, my networking OS 10 and and iOS actually, because, because iOS replaced this too. We just have our Apple TVs to update eventually, which will hopefully rid us of all this stuff and perhaps our airports. But anyway, OS 10 and iOS used, um, have, have a bonjour built into them, right? Which is this auto discovery and management of every device on your local network. And it names things and kind of goes out and says, it's the zero configuration um, a- engine that runs that allows all these devices to see each other on the network without you or the user having to really do anything. And it can find them by name and all this great stuff. And it's awesome. And the engine on the Mac and on iOS that previously ran this. And when I say previously, I mean in Mavericks and earlier was called MDNS responder. And that was just the name of the engine. And it, it had become like anything it had a lot of stuff bolted onto it over the years. And so with Yosemite, someone or perhaps many people at Apple decided we're going to build this. We're going to build a replacement for it from the ground up. And that's what Discovery D was. It, very smart thinking in terms of architecture and all that. You don't want to have this legacy tech that has all this crazy stuff baked into it. You just want to start fresh with what you know you need going forward. Except it didn't work. It didn't work well. It worked, but it had some bugs. Uh, a lot of weird networking bugs. Uh, where you're, the, the biggest, the most obvious one was when your computer's name would start incrementing, you know, it'd get a number after it and just start going up and up and up. That was Discovery D doing that. And, um, and so finally in 10.10.4, Apple got rid of that and rolled back. Well, they rolled to a new version of MDNS responder. They didn't just roll back to the one that was in Mavericks, but they, they, they did what they, they made some changes to it, but it is far more stable. Um, so that, that's one thing. And, and things have been better on my networks um, since that came out. 
Do you have anything to say on that before I go on to the, the, the next thing? Because I have a, another specific <sighs> app that works way better in 10.10.4 that, that I will share. My only observation is that as of late, and we'll see if it gets better, but I've had random, maybe it's gotten better under 10.10.4, but I've had occasional random Wi-Fi failures where before, if you recall, there was issues where just the Wi-Fi died and it just went away. Now what I've seen, Dave, is even though my, you know, the little airport icon on my, uh, you know, my MacBook here yeah. is active and shows, you know, four bars or five bars. Yeah, four bars. I still don't get connectivity. And then I'll see random things die, like OneDrive, uh, uh, BitCasa, Transporter. Huh. All of a sudden, they'll eventually say, I don't know, something's wrong. But yeah. the airport icon says, nope, everything's great. Everything's cool. And eventually, I have to turn it off and turn it on again, which, as we all know, is, is one of the... <laughs> One of the best ways to solve any problem. Yeah. Turn off and on again. I hate that. Toto. We're going to call it Toto. Turn off, turn on. I like that. Turn off. But yeah. so that's no, gone. We, is that gone now in 10104 or is that still exist um, for you? I've seen it at least once. Okay. Now it could be Dave. And the thing is, so I have, you know, I got to wonder if it's just a bizarre interaction between my MacBook. Because the only machine I see it with is my MacBook Pro 15 inch 2012. And my airport uh, extreme, I forget which generation I have right now here, but you know, I'm, I'm sorely tempted, Dave, to kind of ditch this airport and mm. kind of get maybe a Linksys or something like that. I actually was at Home Depot the other day and they were like, hey, you know what? We got this uh, spiffy new uh, 1200 AC, 1200 plus AC or whatever for, you know, like a hundred bucks or something I'm like, you know what? Maybe, maybe I should uh, just ditch Apple. Mm. Oh, I don't like my wireless access point. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think your problem is an Apple router. Um, Though it, it seems to be an interaction between my MacBook oh, and this Apple router. They are the only two that don't seem to want to get along with each right. other. And I don't know if it's well. Try you know, it like out. You said right? the software, yeah. um, but but I'm I'm thinking just like you know I I got the TP Link uh, uh, switch here and I'm a hundred percent happy with it. Yep. I think my next router, Dave, even though, uh, you know, I feel kind of guilty because I love Apple products, but I, I, I think it's not, I don't the know if I want to get, it's not the right router for a geek. I, and I agree with you. Yeah. They hide things from you. It, yeah. It's easy to set up. It's easy to use, but it doesn't let you get down and dirty. Oh. And I think uh, I want to get down and dirty. So I think I may want to get a link. We should, we should talk about that. Let's, let's, let's keep going with this, but let's yeah. have a conversation about that. And, and, and we'll sure. make that part of the show and we'll, we'll have you pick your router and we'll, we'll talk about it. Oh, it'd be good. So, so, okay. So we've got the discovery D thing. Uh, OS 10, 10, 10, four finally has solved my mail problems with Gmail. It seems like they made, some tweaks and it could just be one tweak. Hmm. They may have just set mail to make less simultaneous IMAP connections. And that alone, I think would have right. made a huge difference. I, I don't know what it is, but I can tell you that in the last week I've been traveling, which normally would cause all kinds of grief. Nothing. It's just flawless. And, and the, perhaps the biggest metric is, or the biggest uh, barometer is that I left mail running on my iMac here in my office while I was gone. And I came back and it wasn't stuck. It was still working, 
a week later. So, so the mail in OS 10, 10, four has been splendid on all manner of Macs from, you know, a 2007 iMac all the way up to a 2015 retina iMac and everything in between. It's been, it's been splendid for me. So I'm, I'm quite stoked about it. And they added something to it, John. With Yosemite, prior to Yosemite, people who added third-party SSDs to their computers, uh, oh, yeah. right? So prior, prior to Yosemite, if you added a third-party SSD you, to your Mac, you had, a, um, you had uh, the ability to enable the, a feature of the OS that was, well, really just a feature of the drive called Trim that, that allowed the drive to do garbage collection when the OS, was, when the OS told it to. And this is a common feature of SSDs and Windows supports it and Linux supports it and OS 10 supports it, but only with Apple branded drives. And there was, so there's this third party extension that we all used called trim enabler. We've talked about it. You know, somebody broke trim enabler because not, not intentionally, but because of some security features, you couldn't run unsigned kernel extensions. And so it broke the way trim enabler worked. Well, 10.10.4 adds a terminal command called Trim force, T-R-I-M-F-O-R-C-E. And you can go to the terminal and, and take a look at the, the command. But uh, I think you just run, it's a three-word command, sudo space trim force space enable. And then that will enable trim on all of your non-Apple SSDs. And this was a nice thing for Apple to do. Uh, obviously baked in there, hidden, but right there if you as a power user want it. My advice and and I know you I know you and I are going to disagree, and perhaps you're going to change my mind, John. But my advice is that you should do this. The drive supports it. Uh, the OS supports it. There's no reason not to do it. And you know, if you take that drive and put it in a Windows machine, it's going to enable trim on a, a third-party SSD. No problem. There's none. Of, there's no. There's no holdup on any of that. So I I think you should just enable it on all all your machines. And I have done that on all of mine, and and had uh, great luck so far. But I know, my friend, I think you're going to disagree with me. Well, I'm going to disagree with you, Dave, just because I want to disagree with you. Sure. (laughs) No, I'm going to disagree with you because I've seen published reports stating that some drives do not handle certain, uh, especially I think it's called queued trim commands, Okay. They don't handle them properly. And that what they do is that in addition to uh, what happens is that they get they get overzealous and that they don't just trim, they they trim a little bit too much. And in my mind that's that's bad. Bad. Yeah. So um I mean I have one report here from uh, digitaltrends.com and they and they point out specifically the Samsung uh, and the title of the article is Samsung trim error could be wiping data. All right. Uh, could. Okay. Uh, okay. That's uh, so what I'm saying. So I found multiple reports. So one suggests that some Samsung drives do not handle certain versions of trim properly. All right. Yeah. No, I, I believe um, you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got another one here. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Blog Algolia. Uh, so I have three reports. We'll put them in the, in the lovingly handcrafted show notes, but I have at least three reports. So two are independent reports saying certain drives may not handle trim properly and could wipe data that should otherwise not be wiped. And then actually the last one here that, that kind of 
concerns me, Dave, is uh, it's from GitHub, and it's actually the, the source for the ATA driver for Linux. Huh. That actually says, um, yeah, by the way, these certain drives, they kind of suck at implementing trim uh, on certain drives. And actually, one of the ones that was specifically mentioned, Dave, was the one that I have, the uh, M550 uh, or M, M500, M550 from Crucial slash Micron. Really? So that's all I'm going to say. Um, How come it, it, the timing of this seems weird to me, right? Because trim has I, uh, been yeah. right. I mean, Windows machines have been enabling trim on third party SSDs forever. It just there's right. th- this is not a thing, right? You, the OS supports trim. The OS asks the drive. Do you support trim? The drive says yes. It enables it as it should. Right. That's how that's that negotiation is supposed to work. Um, but. So and 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 then, of course, there's all of the folks that were using trim enabler on on third party SSDs in their Macs up until, you know, the fall. And again, no issues reported now suddenly timed. And, I, I, you know, I love my conspiracy theories. I, I, I emotionally support all of them, even though I don't necessarily believe in, in most of them. But uh, but this certainly seems weird. Like 10104 comes out. They bake in this tiny little trim enabler or trim force command. And then suddenly. There's all these reports. Oh, my gosh, the sky is falling. Well, 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 well hold on here. I mean, did, did, when you did you actually enable Trimforce? Yeah. Okay. Did you notice the big, huge, scary warning that they spit out before they say? Yeah. You may not want it. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying they're warning you that. Well, but this, this made... is the, this is Apple being overprotective, right? I mean, it, they didn't, they just wouldn't, right. it's, they don't enable it by default, which is stupid to me because if, again, if the OS supports it, it can ask the drive, do you support it? And if the drive says, yes, I support it, believe the drive and move on with your life. That's, that's my thing. So when I saw that warning, it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Just let me get, go away. Okay. So, yeah. Um, uh, uh, my, my, Personal opinion is I'm not going to force enable trim on any of my machines that have SSDs. And that's just me. Yeah. Oh, I, I know. It sounds like your decision is, is different. And well, it's a decision I've made you before. And, uh, I, well, I, 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 I understand. I have history with this, right? I use trim enabler on all of these same drives up until the fall. So right. Which, like, now, let me ask the brand because again, now the, these reports talk about Samsung. Yeah. I've got a Samsung. You know, I think it's a really. I want to say EV, uh, something something. It's yeah. an. I believe it's the eight forty that I have okay. in that machine at the house. I, I I can check. I can check. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. It's just. I would encourage things. you to review the reports of. Oh, I read the reports. Okay. I, it just seems like this is I, again. It's fud, right? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Let's see, I'd, I'd like it's this kind of like, oh, it could cause a problem. Has anyone actually reported problems or people just, you know, saying, well, if, you know, this and that and if the earth starts spinning backwards, then suddenly there's going to be this problem. Like, yeah. OK, we have other problems if the earth spins backwards. <laughs> just what I'm saying. Hey, okay. I want to I want to talk about our first sponsor for this show, John, and that is Smile at smilesoftware.com slash geek. That will bring you right to the details for Text Expander 5. Text Expander 5 is the latest version of their of Smile's excellent text replacement 
uh, utility. It runs constantly in the background on your Mac. And when you type a little snippet of something, it replaces it with something that you, that you would want to, uh, that you would want to replace. Like, you know, for example, I, I have our addresses in there. So when somebody says, I want to send you guys something, I can say comma D H A D D. And then boom, it puts out my address. And then I do comma J B A D D and boom, it puts out your address and it's just right there. And I don't, not only do I not have to type it, but I've completely eliminated the opportunity for human error. I know that I'm not going to get your address wrong, even though I might not remember your zip code off the top of my head. Right. Or I might remember it incorrectly off the top of my head, which would be even worse. This is what text expander does. It does much more than that. For example, when I go to create the, um, the, the push notification that I send out to everybody with the iOS app, the Mac geek app iOS app to which an update is coming. Um, they, they, I, there's a format that I need to use cause it's this, uh, Java script, JSON thing that I have to do. And, but there's key elements I need to plug into it. So I do comma MGG push and then it actually pops up a dialogue for me and asks me to fill in the blanks and I fill in the blanks and I say go and then it builds this whole JSON with, you know, the episode number and the link and all of the stuff I might want to put in there. So it's very, very cool. Well, text expander five helps you even more, helps you type even faster by making suggestions of frequently typed phrases to abbreviate and save time. So it watches you type, which, of course, it's been doing all the time because it has to in order to do these replacements. And it says, hey, wait a minute, you know, you've typed that particular phrase a lot lately. Maybe we should make a snippet for it and save you some time. This is very cool. So that's what Text Expander 5 adds. It reminds you of missed opportunities to use your abbreviations while you're typing. So if you've got an abbreviation and it sees me say typing your address out, it might say, hey, 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 dum dum, you've got a shortcut for this. Don't forget, you, 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 you're outsmarting yourself now. You know, just let the shortcut go. So it really does. It helps make sure you're using the software to its to your full advantage. And of course, you can sync your snippets among multiple devices, storing them on either iCloud Drive or Dropbox. So if you have you know multiple Macs that you use, you can sync it that way. You can also sync to iOS devices, and a lot of iOS apps will support baking in these snippets right from Text Expander. So you can set a hotkey. They, they, for inline search. So all you need is a fragment of your snippet to find and expand it quickly. Now you can create, as I said, fill in snippets uh, with little, little dialogue boxes and text expander five finally adds support for JavaScript, which also works in text expander touch for iPad and iPhone. So you really, you got to check this out. So go to, go to smilesoftware.com slash geek. That's the, the easiest way to get there. And, uh, and it's got a whole Yosemite look and feel just download it and play with it. That's the way you start. And then when you're ready to buy, uh, you go and buy it. And, and that's how it's going to work. So check it out. Text Expander 5 from Smile at smilesoftware.com slash geek. And with that, John, I want to bring us to iOS 8.4 because that's the next update on the list. I had a fantastic experience with 10.10.4. Did I mention that? My experience with iOS 8.4, at least on one of my devices, it's actually been quite fine. Every other device that I've updated was fine. But I updated my iPhone on Tuesday when, I, when it came out because I wanted to check out Apple Music and, you know, get up to date with all that stuff. And things were fine. I messed with it and I put my phone on charge that night. Now, I did notice when I put my phone on charge, the battery was really low. It was like, like 5%, which is really low for me. 
but I didn't think much of it. I should have. Yeah, I mean, are you kidding? Because I, I, I thought I saw you ranting about how <laughs> it was sucking down your well, battery. Well, which that was the next why day. I was hesitant. Let me, let, me, let me get there. Let me get there. So go, this go. was, yeah, this was Tuesday night. You know, the battery was low and I put it uh, on charge at night, but I thought, well, whatever it, you know, it, I've been using it today. I did a lot of stuff. It was sort of an abnormal day. No problem. I wake up the next morning and it's at 75% and blazing hot. I'm like, Oh, it should have charged all the way up. So what, what did it start at five? But it, it should have charged to a hundred. There's, there's no question about this. Right. And it was blazing yeah. hot. So I knew it was this. Hot. Well, that's normal when charging. Yeah. Maybe. It was hotter. Right? It, well, it oh, should have, okay. it should have okay. finished though. So I knew the CPU is cooking and I launched, I have that little app system activity monitor, which I don't think you can get right now for, for iOS, which is a shame because it was very handy and very helpful. Uh, but, uh, I, I launched it and I saw that the CPUs are just pegged. I'm like, okay, no problem. So I restarted my phone. That happens sometimes you get some runaway process, whatever. And I brought my iPhone to my desk cause I had a quick meeting to take before we left on vacation and I plugged it in there to charge it up. And I noticed that the CPU was still pegged. I couldn't get it to stop. Quitting apps didn't matter. Restarting the phone, shut it down, let it sit 10 minutes, start it up. When it was on, even on charge, I watched the charge level continue to drop. This was bad. This was an emergency scenario because I reasoned, what happens when it gets to zero? What do I do? So I started messing around with it. I launched Instruments, which is part of Xcode. Instruments allows you to tether your iPhone to your Mac and see things in real time with it. And one of those things is activity monitor. So I could really see what was happening on my iPhone. And this is a handy utility. Xcode is available out there. I recommend everybody gets it. And really, I recommend everybody gets instruments so that you can do this. Hugely valuable when troubleshooting. I saw the network D process was chewing up a ton of um, CPU. So I put it in airplane mode. Sadly, the Network D process continued to chew up CPU. There was nothing I could do to stop it. Uh, one of the good, one of the one piece of good news was that my phone successfully backed up uh, the night uh, before, even though it wasn't, um, even though it wasn't charging all the way up, it backed up. So I thought, well, no problem. Uh, I shot another backup to iTunes just to have a local backup, and then I wiped it. I did a full restore with iOS eight point four. And I restored it from my backup. All my problems went away. So clearly it was some cache file or something that unfortunately, I feel like if I could have done a safe boot on iOS, it would have wiped out, you know, those cache files like it does on your Mac and solved that problem. But instead I had to restore from a backup, which meant, you know, reloading uh, all my data on there uh, and waiting for all the apps to install and all that stuff. So it was a, a long process, but not, not one that required a lot of interaction. It just took a little while and it's been fine ever since. In fact, there's more free space on it than there was before, which typically happens after a, uh, after one of those updates. But I don't have my other devices. It's been fine. How about you? How's it? How's iOS 8.4? So the moral of that story is make sure you have a backup. Don't be afraid to use it. Your options are fairly limited with iOS when you have a problem and, and using a backup is, is the, you know, the way to go. So I was initially hesitant because of your messages and those of others like 
I believe we had our Dr. Bob and some others write some articles on Mac Observer about some of the uh, hiccups they ran into with the whole Apple Music. Well, we're just on iOS 8.4. We haven't gotten to Apple Music yet. Right. But we'll get there. I get that. But, yeah. but, but people, especially you, have been saying, like, the thing that scared me was like, oh, while well, my battery is going negative. Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> when I'm running iOS 8.4, I'd rather not upgrade to a version of iOS that, that sucks my battery. <clears throat> the thing is, up until recently, because of prodding of my esteemed colleague here, Dave, I had not upgraded to 8.4 because I was afraid that it would do terrible things. But then I finally did because for you, the listeners, even though I'm not, I'm probably not the best customer for Apple music, but Hey, yeah. Again, for you, the listeners, the, the upgrade. I, 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 yeah, I, I, I took a hit for the team. Well, did and you I, take I a hit though? It. Did it, I mean, did, did you have any trouble? Well, with no, as of update? yet. And the, here's the weird thing. So I upgraded both my iPad and my iPhone to iOS 8.4. Yep. And I did sign up for the Apple Music trial. Okay. Here's the weird thing. I don't see anything any different on well, let's, my let's, iOS devices. Let's talk and about yeah, that. Like, like you said, we, yeah. we should talk about that because I don't know if I'm doing something wrong or if it's just waiting to do something because I'm seeing differences on my, my OS 10 devices. Okay. And, and so far they're, they're pretty cool, but I haven't yet seen any significant difference to my ios devices all right so, yeah, so let's, we should talk no, about let's talk that. about so, it so what what you in terms of of apple music so you 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 um installed ios 8.4 and then yep. you installed and then you launched the music app and enabled apple music is that correct on my os 10 device i did okay but that that the beauty of it is once but you that enable, should enable it. Uh, yeah. And yeah. from what I saw, it enabled it. So I enabled it on one OS 10 machine and it looks like it enabled it on the other one. So the good news is that my iTunes library on my OS 10 devices now looks to be one blob. And that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And as far as I can tell, it hasn't consumed any of my iCloud Space, which is also cool because I thought that's what it was supposed to do, or maybe no, it, I'm under the truck. It won't. No, it it just Good. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of, and there is a point of confusion here, an understandable one. It's kind Good. of like, and, and explain to me because I I thought because I have a 30 gig music library now. Right now, I have it on my Synology, and I stream it, and and so far that's worked for me. That 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 makes me happy. But, you know, again, because, you know, of your encouragement, I'm like, OK, I'll do this just to see what happens. So I I still have the iTunes music library on my Mac mini. Which and you once need I to. enable. Oh, you need to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, right, you right. have to have your music library somewhere. Right. But um, it, the way the way Apple Music works is it also allows you to enable something that they call iCloud music library, which mm-hmm. is very, very similar to but not the same as iTunes match. So where what iTunes match would let you do is sync your music library with the cloud. Again, it doesn't use your, your iCloud storage space. None of these things that we're talking about here do, um, but, uh, okay, but it would, um, 
It would then allow you to match your tracks with tracks in the library and download non DRM copies of the tracks mm-hmm. that you have. And that's still the case. You, if you have iTunes match, you still have the ability to do all that with up to 25,000 tracks, which according to Eddie Q's tweet is going to increase mm-hmm. to a hundred thousand at some point soon. So that's, that's what iTunes match lets you do. Now what iTunes, iCloud photo library lets you do is music you, library. Sorry. Thank you. iCloud Music Library lets you do, which is part of my confusion <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah. they're putting this. Uh, uh, Dave, no, I'm, 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 I'm serious here. They're putting this under the iCloud Library umbrella. Yeah, I, I, I honestly think that's confusing to a lot of people, right. including me, because I thought, wait, hold on, I got a 30 gig music library. The, does that mean I have to buy 30 gigs of iCloud storage to store this? And as far as I can tell, at least at this point, the answer is no. All right, so I want to get to Explain that, to but, me. but hang go, on. Go. So the, the difference, I, I need to get this out because otherwise we're going we're gonna to get down the tangent path. So I'm going to put what you just said on hold for a second. So the iCloud Music Library is similar to iTunes Match in that it lets you see all of your music on all of your devices if you have an Apple Music subscription. However, the one major difference is that when you download a song to another one of your Macs using iCloud Music Library, that song comes with DRM. Now, if you don't, that's if you don't have also have iTunes Match. And this gets very confusing, which is why I wanted to make the point here. iCloud Thank Music you. Library with iTunes Match will pull down non-DRM copies just like you used to be able to with just iTunes Match. But iCloud Music Library without iTunes Match will as you would expect, pull down DRM copies because you're not paying for the matching service. You're just paying for the ability to have this stuff. Now, the DRM copies are fully playable up until the day that you cancel your Apple Music subscription and turn it off. And at that point, then you can't play it anymore. Again, all of this makes sense when you look at it from a licensing and rights perspective. So uh, and that's kind of the nice part about Apple Music is it, it unfortunately creates tiny little points of confusion like this. But the nice part is, as opposed to something like Spotify or even Beats, which existed outside of the iTunes umbrella, Apple Music lives inside it. And, and when you said you didn't see a whole lot of difference other than, wow, magically my library's over here. That's what Apple Music does. You get to live inside the same place you've always been. But now, in addition to your music with iCloud Music Library being everywhere you want it to be, you also now have access to stream any tracks that are in Apple Music to any of your devices. And, and you can also take them and download them offline for, you know, for offline listening and, and all of that cool stuff. So that's that's the cool part about this now. Uh, I agree with you that calling it iCloud Music Library does get confusing because iCloud Photo Library does use your storage space, <laughs> yes. whereas iCloud Music Library does not use your storage space. So that, that, that is a that is a valid fish shake, my friend. But yeah. um, I think yeah. they have a branding. Uh, I understand they, they want to promote the iCloud mm. brand. Yeah. But. Right now, yeah, as you said, so if you're doing it with photos, you got to purchase more storage. If you're doing it with music, you don't because it's storing, if anything, the pointers to your music and not the music itself. Whereas photos, that's is right. actually storing your 
actual photo data, which, as we all know, if you know, depending on how many photos you take, yeah, can can consume many many gigabytes. So, yeah. um, yeah so, th- so that I'm, was. Uh, I'm curious about your iPhone though, because you said nothing changed. You should be. Or you, at least you have the ability to see your entire music library on your phone. Well, I have not yet. So if I go right now to music and I oh, have upgraded. Back up for four. a second. Back up for a second. Go right. to go to the settings app. Right. And go to. Yes, mu- it's on. Go to music. Well, hang on. Going, we have yeah. a lot of listeners that are more than just you. So I want to walk through this process. Right. I'm using okay. you as so the I'm example. In settings. 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 So music. show. Yes. Yeah, settings. Music. Show Apple music should be on. That is on. And in the library section, iCloud Music Library should also be on. Ah. Well, that is now on. (laughs) Right. So that's (laughs) why. That explains that. So eventually now my iOS device will, this one will populate itself with my iCloud Music Library. It should come in pretty quickly. If you launch the music app now. Uh, you might yeah. you might already see it, yeah. Because I've seen because they have a recently added category, which I, I assume will now get populated. Just no, things will change. You'll see a my music thing. Uh, now, right now, so I clicked on my music, and right now I see a loading library. Okay, dot dot. dot. So, so at I think the that's top, because I just turned that feature on at the top of the screen. Uh, once this is this loading is finished, you'll see t- uh, two tabs when you're on my music. One is library and one is library playlists. And playlists, yes. Yeah. Okay. And library is making it's it's like ninety. Oh, look at that. Oh, wow, dude, that's kind of cool. <laughs> that's all my music. Look at that. Yeah. Now, yeah. do I want to pay ten bucks a month for this? I don't. Oh, look at that! Oh my, my gosh! I got the album art, and this is stuff that I ripped from my personal collection too. Yeah. Okay. Right. So it's working should, well. I should. I should probably listen to you more often, Dave. I, listen. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Is uh, you know, it's cool. So no, I didn't turn on that part. So so again, you you mentioned a very valuable lesson here, and that I turned it on. Or I thought I turned it on, but I didn't turn on the iCloud Music Library part. Right, and and that's preferences. That's but now the part. it's listing all my music from. So so the bulk of my music is stored on my uh, Mac Mini, but I also have a copy to my Synology, and that's the uh, for the most part what I stream from. But oh look, but at this that. Is, so that when you download slick. when you download to this, you're not downloading from your Mac Mini. You're downloading right, from, right. from Apple's cloud. Right. So the cloud says, okay, you own this, I think, right? Or, or it matches it. It's like, okay, I, I, I'll believe you own this. So I'll let you stream it from my cloud. Yeah. Is that how it kind of works? Yes. Un- as long as you have a, an active and valid Apple Music subscription. And it, as soon okay. as you don't, then you can't do that anymore. It's not like iTunes right. matching. Because a, a lot of my content in my library is stuff that I've ripped personally or uh, I, I, I won't go there yeah it's stuff that i've ripped for, uh, no let's say uh, it's stuff that i've legally ripped from my personal music library however you got that. it they actually don't care <laughs> right because one of the things <laughs> i went through and did a uh, an article which i'll i'll, I'll find the uh, basically a change log of apple's uh, terms and conditions and Uh, One of the things I found in there between the iTunes terms and conditions that came out in September versus the ones that came out just last week is that royalties are going. They specify 
that they will use your iTunes match data to pay royalties. And that was not in there before. So I don't, I always assumed they were paying royalties based on the iTunes match data uh, because otherwise somebody would probably get really mad. But, um, but now it's, it's very clear uh, that, that that's, that that's the case. So I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. All right. Now you brought this up though. So I want to clarify this. So you brought this up specifically because you said, John, you should do this before the show because it would be a value to our listeners. And I think it has been at least I just learned about the, iCloud music library setting on iOS. But now I'm looking on that screen, Dave, and I see subscribe to iTunes match. Why would I even want to do that? And I hope I'm leading into a topic that you want to talk about. Um, well, it, I mean, we talked about it, right? It, if you, if you use iTunes match, then you can download uh, non DRM copies that will work after you even stop subscribing to iTunes match. iTunes match is only 25 bucks a year. Okay. So it's much less than I, than Apple music. But uh, it and it's only for tracks that you already own. So it's not going to get you access to the streaming and all of that. But it does get you non DRM copies. My guess is this will iTunes match will go away at some point. Apple has said has said, in fact, that it's not going away anytime soon. But I feel like, you know, we're heading into a world where the concept of owning your own music is really just for old dudes like you and me. Um, my kids could care less. No, seriously. But most people once you start paying your 10 bucks a month. It, it, you don't care right. to own it anymore. You just have access and that's all you need. So, but is it that match is kind of somewhat redundant with Apple music now or it, well, it is up until the moment that you cancel your Apple music subscription. And okay. then at that point it, it matters. Yeah, but it's, but it's fine. I mean, it, again, I, you know, look, look at it this way. When I was a kid, and, and obviously this is many decades ago, and, and money was worth more back then, I spent far more than $10 a month on music. <laughs> Seriously, right? I mean, I would buy, you know, CDs were about maybe some, we, somewhere between 8 and 10 bucks, sometimes 15 Yeah, we spent 10 bucks, um, uh, 10 bucks a CD. I remember that too. And then yeah. we'd rip it to iTunes. When iTunes came out, we were like, oh my gosh. Well, yeah, awesome. I mean, initially I was just playing the CDs or playing the albums before CDs existed, right? So... It, you know, I, and I was easily buying two albums a month at least. And that, so that was somewhere between 20 and 30 bucks a month that I was spending in 19, you know, 80, whatever dollars. So now in here we are in 2015 and we spend $10 or if you have a family plan, 15 a month and you get access to everything. This is way cheaper. And it's why artists are, you know, uh, unhappy. Uh, maybe um, I, I don't know what the term is. I mean, it, it's a new reality, right? You, you don't, you aren't going to make, we had a, we had a period of time where uh, you could make a ton of money selling recorded music. That's that, mm. that's just, that's not the case anymore. And, and I'm, I'm okay with it because here's the reality. The concept of selling recorded music, it, it is technology that has ruined this according to, to some. Well, here's the thing technology created it too right before we had the record player you didn't have the ability to sell recorded music and mass right so it you know it, it, it we just went through a period and technology has always driven what it takes to distribute recorded music and now we're at a different phase and maybe we've gone too far on on the on the low end and and it's too cheap and if that's the case then supply and demand will change and and the price will go back up but i don't think that's going to happen I, it, it's a that's a very quick you know, summation of my rant about this. And I'm a musician. I get it, but you just have to go with the times. You can't, 
harken back to you know yeah. the day two decades ago. So well, anyway. I'm with you. Well, yeah. Taylor, you know, Taylor kind of stepped in there, right? Sort of. I mean, she stepped in to say that artists should be paid if Apple was going to leverage their thing to sell their platform, and she was right. But mm-hmm. she's not coming out and saying artists need to be paid more money. We, you know, Apple should charge forty dollars a month for streaming music. Which, if you want to equate it to nineteen eighties dollars, that's about what it should be. It should be somewhere between thirty mm-hmm. and fifty dollars a month. But it's not going to be. That there's no way that you know, not not anytime soon. I do want to talk about our second sponsor, John, and that is Linda. At L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash M-G-G. That's where you go to get 10 free days of access to all, the entirety. You know, we've been talking about iCloud Music, where you get access to the entirety of Apple's or Apple's music. This is the entirety of Linda's library for 10 days for free. And then after that, it's just 25 bucks a month. And Linda's library is full of knowledge it is the future of education folks right if you want to learn something linda's the place to do it and just like we said with apple music before the price is way lower than it would be to go to like you know like it used to be to go to some college and and take a course that's crazy just go online to linda you get 10 days for free but even after that 25 bucks a month gets you access to everything everything as much as you want that's it 25 bucks a month and uh and, and you can just dig in and learn all kinds of things. You want to learn accounting? Great. They've got a zillion. Well, maybe not a zillion, but close to a zillion courses on accounting. You want to learn programming? They've got a zillion. Again, I might be exaggerating, but I doubt it. Uh, they've got a lot of courses on accounting, uh, on programming, too. They, they've just got everything. And we've had people here, listeners to this show, whose careers have been changed because of the... Um, Things that they have learned from Linda, not just learned online, learned from Linda. People have changed their entire careers. We've had many of you, in fact, become profitable, successful web developers because of what you learned from Linda. Think about this, right? And it's 25 bucks a month. And let's say it took them six months to do this. It's not that much money. It's a pretty short money investment. You know, yeah, you got to put the time in, but that you had to put in anyway. You got to check these out. These videos are really, really well produced. The folks at Linda totally know what they're doing. They have fantastic instructors. They, they're either staff instructors whom they've hired and pulled away from other lucrative jobs, or they find people that are out there just doing this stuff and create, have them create uh, these courses for them. The courses have obviously video. Um, you can see if you're, if you're do- taking like a garage band course or a photos course, you see the app right on your screen. So you can really dig in and, and really get what you want. You can press pause anytime you want. If you, if you need to learn something or you need to go get a snack or take a bio break, you just hit pause. There's no putting up your hand and asking the teacher. Just hit pause. You're in control. You got to check this out. Lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A.com slash M-G-G gets you 10 free days. It also is the way that they know that you're interested because of what we told you. So again, L-Y-N-D-A.com slash M-G-G. G and that is where you're going to go. Thanks so much to Linda for being a sponsor of this show. All right, John, I think it's time to, do we need to talk about the iTunes 12.2 update? I mean, that was sort of important for it. It it, it allows you to use Apple music, but I don't think there's anything. Oh, actually there was a problem and I went through it today where software update, software update would, would, uh, 
crater. Well, not crater. It would just spin out of control. You, you, what would happen? Really? Yeah. The symptom. And I saw this on two machines of mine only for the 12.2 update. And I saw one of them today. So it's not something that's been fixed. Um, you would go to, you know, software update and it would start spinning, you know, to, to show you, you go to the app store on your Mac and it would start spinning. And then, uh, suddenly nothing would happen. You would see maybe the updates there, but you couldn't click the update button. And if you looked, your CPUs were pegged. Uh, and, and there were two processes. There was the app store process. And then there was the software update D process and you could quit the app store, but that didn't solve the problem because the software update D process was still cooking in the background. And so there was a fix for this. Uh, and it, what it involved doing was Ken sent in an email, in fact, about how to fix this. And, uh, and it was a, there's a post that I'm going to read the relevant parts of here. Uh, oh, I get the wrong URL. If you can find them. Oh, which I in the meantime, I, I will mention, it. Dave. I got it. I got my, it. In, I just want to mention, though, in my um, app store update section, Dave, I have not one, but two entries for iTunes 12.2. Interesting. Which, <laughs> huh? I'm wondering if this is just lameness in the, uh, the whole app store. Because I've noticed some weirdness as of late in the app store, especially the update thing. Is that Sometimes I'll see updates. I'll say update. I don't see a progress bar, but if I go to purchases, I do. It's just like, what is up? But go ahead, please. So, no, it, and in this, this fix would certainly resolves it for the iTunes 12.2 update. But if you see any, if you see the app store spiral out of control and, and not let you process your updates, this will fix it, or at least is the first thing to try. Um, force quit the app store. Restarting your Mac will not fix this. It will simply take you longer to get back to exactly the same problem. So you quit the app store, either force quit or, or, or whatever, uh, or regular quit. And then launch activity monitor. And find the software update D process. If you sort by CPU, it'll be the one at or very close to the top because it's probably the thing using all your CPU. Kill that too. Then you're going to delete the app store's app cache. And I'm, I'm going to just link to the article. You have to open a very convoluted directory, but they have very simple instructions for how to find mm -hmm. this. And then you delete the com.apple.appstore caches and empty your trash just so things aren't still pointing to it. You do not need to reboot. Simply relaunch the app store and deleting that cache solves your problem. Um, and that so totally solved it for me. I was able to update today on one of my machines because I didn't do the 12.2 before we left on one of them. So that's the, uh, that's the trick and it'll calm your CPUs down and, and everything is, is totally happy. It's possible that launching in safe mode might also clear this cache, but this is a, a far more exact way a surgical way of doing it as opposed to just wiping out all your caches so thank you to ken oh, for, like that for sending that surgical in. yes yeah specific very very specific that's right so that's my uh that's my story on that what else do we have to talk about here i i'm not going to go through the details of it yet because i'm not quite finished but just to tease out the concept i am I had an iPhoto library for my wife, which I had not migrated to photos yet. I started that process last night, but it was a, it's a 200 gig uh, iPhoto library that Sweet. I that I had stored on our NAS drive, 
and that's where she launched it from. And it worked fine. I, yeah, him and Hoff, if you want, but mute yourself so I can just at least tell the story. Um, it, it, the, it, it worked fine. It, and we never had a problem because we have a rock solid Ethernet connection to the NAS drive and it uses AFP. So it, it supports all of that stuff. And it was great. But I did copy it over to a, an external drive to do the migration because I just wanted it local for the, for the process of, of migrating. And the migration worked great. Uh, it took a little while, obviously, because it's a lot of data. Um, didn't take that long to, to actually do the first part of the migration, but then just letting photos run and run and run. Uh, but I do intend on putting this back on the NAS drive and testing it. So I will report back and let you know how a photos library runs from the NAS drive. And it could be total disaster, but I'll have a, obviously have a backup. But I'll, I'll report that back because that would be the best place for us to run it from, as we always have. And, you know, the NAS drive is far faster than any um, any drive we would connect to that Mac, you know, or certainly any single drive because the NAS drive has, you know, whatever, four to eight disks in it. It can easily soak up a gigabit Ethernet pipe. So speed wise, it, it, we found that the iPhoto library actually ran faster from the NAS than uh, from the Synology drive than it did um, from a local thing. So, so there you go. So I will, we'll talk more about that at, uh, at some point in the future, should we go, where are we time-wise here? Should we go to, uh, to JP here, John? Let's see what we have to say about JP. JP's a mess. JP's a mess. Why don't you explain your he mess? He usually is, but, but he can unmess. Yeah. I think we will undo his mess. There you go. Here you go, JP. Hey, John. Hey, Dave. This is JP out in LA with a strangest of dilemmas. I have a USB 3 six-port hub connected directly to my Mac Pro running the latest OS. Uh, well, almost the latest OS, but I'll explain. This morning, I boot up my machine and I get a black screen. And uh, it started and everything, but there was no progress bar or anything. So what do I do? The first thing that a uh, thinking man does is starts. I start to unplug peripherals from the machine because sometimes hard disks or devices sometimes clog it up or something. So I, I unplug everything, plug it back in, thing boots up fine. I start adding stuff back. And much to my surprise, I isolate this USB 3 hub. I think, all right, this thing's bad. But before I tore it out, I said, I'm going to change the cable. So I changed the USB 3 super speed cable, the blue kind, uh, with a new one. Same thing happened. Then I went, okay, wait a minute. I'm going to try an entirely different hub. So I uh, pulled another one out of the closet, plugged it in, sent it to the Mac Pro. No good. Does not like it. So then I changed ports on the back of the Mac Pro, tried a different port, same thing. So not only have I isolated it to the USB 3 hub, now it won't, it doesn't like any hub plugged into it. So it's got me scratching my head. So then what do I do? Well, I update to 10.1.4. And we'll pause here. I think that that's, that's enough of an explanation. Thanks, JP, for, for sending this in. So... And we got a few more 
uh, notes from JP on this, but at first I'm sitting there thinking, man, you know, where are we on this? What, what is this? He's done a great job of isolating everything or so we thought. So because of that, my first thought was, well, when it sounds like hardware, the next, the first thing to try is do an SMC reset, right? So that, that was, that was the first thing I thought of, but before we got that, communicated to JP, he'd actually solved the problem because he had not yet isolated everything. He left things plugged into the hub. And it, it turns out that there was a Dymo label printer that uh, was plugged into the hub that even when plugged directly into his Mac won't register and removing that from the chain solved the problem. So good isolation, uh, JP. And, and that's the, that's the trick. Alex uh, in the chat room here at MacGeekab.com slash stream. Hello to everyone says uh pair P A I R is the acronym to follow probe, analyze, isolate and resolve. I like that. That's good. Thank you, Alex. So that's the, um, that was the lesson here, but still I, I started thinking, well, you know, and I mean, it's possible this thing just fried, right? And and it's just not going to work, right, John? But it's also possible that maybe I started thinking, so it's this Dymo label printer. We're plugging it into USB 3 ports, either on the hub itself or directly on the Mac Pro. They're, they're all USB 3 ports. And yes, everything's supposed to auto negotiate down to USB 2. But if something's wonky about this device, maybe it's not. So I... I my thought is, and he, now he says after leaving it off for a couple of days, he plugged it back in and, and the label printer is working. So he's it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it mode, which I totally respect. But if it does break, I, I asked him to try it in a USB two hub so that there's no auto negotiation going on. It's just USB two. And maybe, maybe there's something wonky about it there. So I don't know. That's my, that's my thought. What do you think, Mr. Brun? I like his analysis. And, and I actually forwarded to him a lot of times, especially kind of oddball, low volume devices may actually have a, what we'll call a USB device descriptor mm. that is not quite, it ain't right. Yep. <laughs> and that they're wrong and that they may give incorrect information to a hub or other part of the USB uh, ecosystem as it were, because one part of USB is that devices advertise what they can do saying, okay, I need this much current. I can uh, accept this and that and that. And sometimes vendors get it wrong. I've, I've, I've seen this, I've done product development and I've seen this happen, Dave, where, where it was wrong. And I actually remember specifically, I actually helped fix a bug in one where, yeah, the, you know, was the, the bytes were switched or something like that, but the device was advertising the incorrect amount of current to draw and it just screwed up everything else on the bus. So, but I would say JP, good job. Uh, isolating things is a good troubleshooting technique that uh, I hope you learned, if not from us, from Experience. somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, uh, you know, get a chart, you know, uh, uh, start mapping your options saying okay does the problem happen if this is here yes does it happen if this is not here no Ooh, well maybe that's the problem yep. so thank you jp nice yeah. work good stuff yeah absolutely yeah it's the uh, as we like to say honoring the troubleshooting process and i want to talk about our 
third sponsor, which is a new sponsor for the show, and it is Bushel. This is from Jamf Software. The folks that have been making Casper and, and this whole mobile device management suite for years, and that stuff is totally for geeks and network administrators. And they built Bushel because, as they say, for some people, IT is a task and not a career. This is the kind of thing that you would use if your job is something other than IT. And I know there's lots of you out there, right? You work somewhere, you're the guy that listens to Mac Geekab or the or the woman that listens to Mac Geekab, and therefore you become the go-to person and eventually the responsible person for the technology in the office. Bushel is for you. It is a simple to use cloud-based tool that you can use to manage all the Apple devices in your workplace. And you can start out for three free devices forever. There's no limit. The limit is three. If you want more than that, then you pay. But uh, but you can. Th there's no time limit on this. So bushel.com slash MGG gets you uh, access to three free uh, devices for life. And, and it's really cool. I was able to set this up in maybe five minutes. I did it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Bushel was a sponsor for Mac Observer on, online. And so that was my first exposure to, to Bushel. And it went really, really quickly. And you add your devices to it. And then they've got this awesome uh, intuitive graphic web-based inter interface where you can do things. I mean, you can do things like device inventory. That's pretty straightforward. But you can do things like app distribution, Wi-Fi and email settings from remote. So you can, you know, I thought about using Bushel even just for my family. It was like, wait a minute, you know, there's, there's something here. Instead of having to manage the device on the device, I can actually do this stuff from remote in a web page where, you know, I can type with my fingers, all of them, as opposed to just the two thumbs on the device, setting them all up. Uh, of course you can do remote lock and wipe and, and disk encryption and all of that, but it's really, really simple. And, and it really does. I know I'm a geek, but I got to tell you, you got to believe me. This does not take an IT background to understand what this is going to do for you. It was immediately apparent. It's like, oh, wow, this is it's awesome. Doesn't take a lot of time. It's all managed from the Bushel cloud. You just install a um, a certificate on the on the device and, and you're, you're done. And, and now you can manage this device remotely and. And, and really do all kinds of great stuff. you got to check this out. You get Bushel for free for up to three devices when you sign up at bushel.com slash MGG. And again, that's not a trial. It's up to three devices for free forever. And obviously, if you want more than three, then, you know, they, they've got a, actually a really reasonable pricing structure that, that does all this. So you got to You got to check this out. It's uh, bushel.com slash MGG. We're really happy to have them on board here as a sponsor. It's a perfect target because I know so many of you need are in this. You're stuck, right? You have your real job to do, and then you wind up being the IT person and you want to manage these devices without driving yourself crazy. And that's where Bushel comes in. So check it out. Bushel.com slash MGG. Let them know. Thank you for, uh, for sponsoring the show. I'll let them know right now. Thank you, Bushel, for sponsoring the show. It's good stuff. I'm ready, Dave. I'm ready to manage your devices. Yeah. If only I would install your cert. That's right, John. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, maybe someday I would, but not today. All right. Uh, let's move on. Let's move on to Dave. Because not me, Dave, listener, Dave, we have a couple of questions. Of course not you, Dave. No, we have a couple of questions and That's we have crazy. Some, yeah, we have some time. So we have two questions about Bluetooth. Uh, 
Dave says, I hope you can help me out in our little office. In fact, Dave might be a perfect candidate for Bushel. He says, we have a non-Apple Bluetooth speaker we stream music to as we work away. Uh, we all work on recent MacBook Pros with Yosemite. The issue is anytime someone wakes up or starts their notebook, it grabs the connection to the speaker and kicks whoever is playing off of it. I don't see anything in the Bluetooth settings and my Google foo isn't up to this particular challenge. How do I prevent this from happening? I don't want to delete the Bluetooth pairing and then repairing uh, because that's a hassle and not terribly reliable. And of course, disabling Bluetooth isn't an option as we all use various Bluetooth peripherals. I just want to connect to the speaker on command. So this is interesting. Um, it sounds to me like this is a function of how the speaker works. And the reason is uh, I use a JBL pulse when I travel. It's a Bluetooth speaker, battery powered, sounds awesome, fits great in the suitcase. Uh, it's one looks of my cool. Too. Oh, it looks great, too. Yeah, it's got cool. Well, it looks awesome. I mean, the looks to me, dude, are one of the pluses of that. Yeah, device. well, the, 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 awesome. the looks are only second to the sound. I, I, and I say this, uh, you know. I'm an audio freak and this speaker sounds fantastic, uh, you know, but for something you can put in your suitcase, man, there's, there's just no beating it. But anyway, I, I, we digress, but it's a cool speaker. Um, and I have it paired to my iPhone, iPad, MacBook pro, my daughter's iPhone, right? I mean, you know, everybody has paired to this thing at one time or another. It does not, when I wake up my MacBook Pro, if I'm playing from my iPad or someone else, like it, I brought it to the TMO retreat that we did a couple of weeks ago and everybody paired up to it and, you know, at different times and, and played stuff and it never got stolen. So uh, the, the connection never got stolen. Also, the speaker never got stolen, which was good. But um, I, so I think this is a function of, of whatever speaker you're using and you didn't share a model with us. But I, I think that's the thing. I don't think there's an answer unless there's some setting on the speaker itself to say, don't do this. But what you can do with your MacBook, if it does, you know, somebody steals the connection, you can just go into Bluetooth and, and grab it again. You don't need to power down and power up or sleep and or any of that. You you probably already know this, but, uh, but just in case, you know, it's, it's really trivial. Like I don't have to delete the pairing for the pulse on my phone. If I happen to be playing from my iPad, and then I stop playing from my iPad and I want to play from my phone, my phone. I just go into Bluetooth on my phone and I hit the uh, connect to the pulse thing. And I also have to press a button on the pulse that says go into um, change mode, which is also discovery mode. And it sounds like your speaker is always in this mode, which is sort of the problem. So if you can get your speaker out of discovery mode, that should solve the issue. Um, but with the pulse, I just go hit a button on the speaker and then I go and select it on whatever the next device is I want to use. And it, it works well. So you either need to figure out the setting on the speaker or just get a different speaker. And uh, the pulse would be one, you know, if, if, if that fits your, you, you might have room for something bigger. You know, the pulse is great, but you know, it's suitcase size. So you, you might have room for something else. That's my thought on that. How about you, John? Any thoughts? I just like the pictures that you post. It, it seems you post more often than not when you're out and about, Dave, especially I on do. vacation or just, uh, but, but um, it seems you really, <laughs> well, I can understand that. You really enjoy that speaker, not only for the audio quality, as you pointed out, but uh, because it does the, uh, the funky uh, light thing. You know, it, the light thing, it, it's more than just, I mean, it is, it looks cool, but I got to be honest, if I'm in a hotel or, you know, someplace different, mm -hmm. Having that light kind of moving, it's something I'm used to. 
And so it, it's, it's actually kind of comforting in addition to just having the music and I, I will, I'll, you know, I can, cause I can turn it off, turn off the lights and save the battery, but I don't, I, I, I like them on. I had it in the shower when I, when I would, uh, when I was at my, my family's place this past weekend. Really? I don't really? put it in the shower, but I rest it like on the yeah. towel rack. So it's up nice and high and then I can listen to music. while I Yeah. Shower. Yeah. TMI probably, but oh, maybe not. I don't, I didn't know. I think we're good. I think we're good. <laughs> we're so clean. Yeah. All right. Mike, uh, Mike had a Bluetooth question as well. If I can find it here. Yeah. Uh, well, I have it here. Yeah. You take it. Go. I think. So Mike has a very interesting Bluetooth question. I think it's relevant. Though at first you may think it's not, but Mike writes in and says, Hey guys, hope all is well. It's been a while since I've written to you with a question and he hasn't missed an episode. Thank you, Mike. We really, really appreciate that. So he says, I tried to pair up my iPhone 5S, which I have, Dave, with my MacBook Pro 2012, mid-2012, which I also have, Dave. So this is especially relevant to me. Um, and he tried to pair them through Bluetooth. Not sure why I did. All right, well... <laughs> <laughs> I thought it might help with continuity slash handoff, but mainly because it was there to try. Mike, you know, hats off to you because the geek spirit is is strong with this one. But um, the two will connect, but will not hold the connection for more than a few seconds. Then when I go to Bluetooth slash Mike's iPhone slash connect to network, it gives me the notice that network is unavailable. See screenshots. And he sent screenshots, which... By the way, folks, if you have a problem and you have screenshots, please send them. They may take a little space in email, but this really helped uh, solidify and help us understand the problem. And he said, any idea what's going on? Again, not even sure what the benefit would be. So, uh, all right. So, Mike, it, it, uh, it was kind of an unfocused question here, but, but I want to address it. So, and there is actually an article at Apple, which is actually in a weird category, Dave. So it's in their discussions group, but it's actually one of their articles that is titled Bluetooth. Why can't I pair my iPhone or iPad with another iOS device or with my computer? And I think the, the, the bottom line, Dave, is that you don't need to. So let's talk a little bit about Bluetooth devices because you did as well, Dave. So Bluetooth devices have... Um, Kind of like we talked earlier, USB devices, Bluetooth devices have profiles and they advertise what they can do and what they cannot do. Um, so like in Dave's case, a Bluetooth device may say, hey, I'm a speaker. And it's like, cool. Well, let me send some audio to you. And that's cool. But in the case of an iPhone or a computer or stuff, the, 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 the services that are advertised and offered and, and what you can negotiate between a computer and an iOS device may not be as clear. And that's exactly what's happening in this case in that intentionally Apple, as they've evolved the operating system, both on iOS and the computer have decided not to advertise certain features for Bluetooth. And I really think that's, and we'll link to the article in the show notes, but I really think that's the bottom line here is that the thing is you're not meant to, connect these two devices because what? Apple does not want you to what? Oh, oh, go ahead. All right. What? 
humor go ahead, me. Go, go ahead. Humor me. Go. I, I, I will humor you because I, 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 I'm pretty certain I understand why they're prohibiting this, but go ahead. Okay. Uh, get out your iPhone again, if you would for me, please. Yes, sir. Uh, launch the settings app. Yeah. Now mm-hmm. it, this, this, this experiment may fail. Do you have a personal hotspot option in settings? No. Okay. I do. So no. I'll just Verizon does not right. Verizon does not permit me to do that because with you're my on current a, plan. Yeah, with your plan. Okay. So on mine, if I go into personal hotspot, which at the moment is off, um, it, it I have three options for connect. One is to connect using Wi Fi and it tells me to choose Dave's iPhone from the Wi Fi settings and then I have a password. Mm-hmm. I have uh, connect using USB and I plug the iPhone into the computer into it that way. And then I have a to connect using Bluetooth. It says pair the iPhone with your computer on the iPhone. Tap pair and enter yes. the code displayed on your computer. Number three, connect to phone from computer. So this is most definitely something that not only is allowed, but encouraged. I've done it many times. It's much better than connecting over Wi-Fi. So what you're saying is you can establish internet connectivity between your computer and your phone over Bluetooth using my cell circuit on the, on the phone. Okay. That's right. All right. I, I don't believe that conflicts with what I just said. So depending on saying, you know, the two will connect, but not hold the connection for more than a few seconds. That's that, that it should hold for hours. Well, I think the thing is because his device uh, like my device, Dave. So I'm with Verizon. Verizon does not, with my plan, offer Bluetooth connectivity. Mm. Okay. So what I'm, what I'm saying is that his device currently, because of whatever options he's chosen from his Did you try this ISC, with yours? Yes. It and does it, work. It does the same thing? It, it drops the connection immediately? Yeah. Or close, yes. close to immediately? Huh. Yeah. So what All I'm right. saying is that, is that an iOS device... Uh, uh, and and it's influenced, and I think because you have a different carrier or a different yeah. plan, it's influenced by what a profile they choose to offer yeah. to your other devices. I'll buy that. I'll buy that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So it's um no, it's a it's a and the thing is, I've noticed this, Dave. I mean, the thing is, you know, I actually just decommissioned a. Motorola Crazer Verizon phone that I had. And I actually had to do the silly walk to erase it because they deleted. So this is a, a fish shake for, for cell providers. Kind of like now where I can't connect to my iPhone. That's a Verizon iPhone to do Bluetooth data because they decided to delete that part of the profile. So my computer cannot see it. But, um, but I used to be able to do this with my Verizon Crazer. I used to be able to do a Bluetooth data connection. And, and, and uh, when I was on the road, I used to be able to use my data plan and, and get data yeah. or, or part of my voice plan and get that. But, but, so, so I guess the, the bottom line here to Mike is it's all about what your device decides to advertise. And they could be influenced by your cell phone provider. Yeah as to what it allows you to do. Now, a lot of devices allow you to do file transfer. A lot of them d- d- decide to let you do data transfer, like uh, you just said, Dave, hotspot. But some devices may say, nope, not going to do that. Sorry. Yeah. And so they come up and they say, connect, disconnect. I believe it. So that's what, he, that's what he's running into. Yeah. So um, 
it's kind of hit and miss. I mean, uh, I, I found, you know, in my experience, Dave, Verizon uh, tends to be more and more restrictive as time moves on. Is that, uh, is like that true you, only, but, but is that only true for you? Because you're on that unlimited plan that, that they, well, from what they said, well, I don't have an unlimited. Well, no. So, so I have, so my plan is, so I have the America's choice 450 plan. So I get 450, uh, voice, but I also get two gigs of data, but my plan does not offer hotspot. Right. No, I, yeah, I get that. The thing is I, I called them and I said, well, what if I want it? They're like, well, if you want to turn it on in your phone, we'll let you do that which to me means that they changed the profile of the phone. So when my computer talks to it, it's like, oh yeah, sure. I'll talk to you. Yeah. yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll talk to you at a data point. So it's, it's all about um, whoever manages the device or manufactures the device restricting or not restricting yeah. what services are offered to whatever other device wants to talk to it. I believe it. Folks, thank you so much for listening. This has been... A blast today. Feedback at MacGab.com is... Thank you, John. Yeah, that's right. It's been uh, it's been a little... Uh, I had a little break this weekend. So thank you for that, folks. And we will... I believe we have succeeded. I have succeeded in uh, <laughs> my keyboard maestro uh, thing here because I've got a, a thing here with timestamps. And so we're pushing this out to the AAC feed right now. Really? Outstanding, yeah, Dave. I know. But it, you know, I'll tell you what, it makes a huge difference being able to just trigger a keystroke and not have to process mentally process data. It uh, it makes a huge difference. So anyway. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. Feedback at MacGeekGub.com is the address to send in your comments. As I mentioned in the intro, cool stuff found coming on Sunday. And Dave, I think you said feedback at MacGeekGub.com just to kind of... To wrap Close it up the there. loop here. Yeah, no, I I, I believe that's correct. I, I am I am uh, I am I am with you, unless you're <laughs> I think a premium last week subscriber. Oh, go go. Yeah, unless you're a premium subscriber, which you can uh, email premium at macgeekab.com, and we do prioritize those. Got a little uh, got a little backed up, obviously when I was away here, and John was wherever he was, but. Uh, I was sickly. Yeah, that's true. Was, you were. I was that's hacking right. up along. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but you, it's back. <laughs> sadly, we didn't mute that. Uh, but yeah, so if you want to learn about premium, MacGeekGub.com is where you can learn that. But premium at MacGeekGub.com is, is one, of the, uh, one of the favorite benefits that you get from supporting us directly. So I'm curious, those of you that are premium subscribers, if you would be interested in a uh, more active... Sorry, a more permanent back channel with us. And specifically, I'm thinking about Slack as that back channel. So let us know what you think. I would, uh, I've been thinking about what it might take to add Slack? that to a what, premium what, offering. What, what is Slack, Dave? Slack is a Explain great... to me. I, I believe I know what it is, and I'm actually part of the team of Slack, last yeah. I checked. But well, yeah, go. we've got a couple of Slacks. We've got one back channel for Apple Podcasters. It's a, it's a, um, a community or a, a, a team communication tool really built for companies to, to keep all their communication. But I, I think there's, there might be a way that we could make a, a, 
MacGeekab Slack works. So let us know what you think if you folks use it. We use it, like it, like John said, for TMO. We use it for Backbeat. I use it for a super secret project that I can't tell you about yet. And uh, and then we have our Apple Podcast what? group. So. Yeah, I uh, I filed a patent uh, a couple of weeks ago, John, and and good for you. Submitted a video to apply to potentially be included in TechCrunch Disrupt in in September. So yeah, there's lots going on. That's been so you filed a patent. Yeah, I'm very impressed. Yeah. So, I'm not going to mention the number of patents that I have. I know, no, I know you have. I know you have many. Yeah, yeah. So, well, but anyway, twenty-two. But whoa, I, I don't, want, I don't want to brag. That's awesome! <laughs> wow, that's killer. That's man. the fun part about working for a big company until yeah. they decide to say bye bye. <laughs> oh, it was awesome. You know, and I got to say, Dave, working with intellectual property lawyers, the the thing is, what may scare you is that lawyers think a lot like engineers. Right. That's true. Yeah. I didn't think that at first, but when I started working with these IP lawyers, I was like, oh my gosh, we are just in tune as far as process, procedure, yeah. uh, you know, critical thinking. It, it, it was awesome. And then yeah. you and I know some uh, lawyers, uh, including uh, you know, our friend Dave and, uh, and oh, Katie. Katie, happy birthday. Hi, Katie. My wife, or unofficial wife, I don't remember the <laughs> marriage. But um, yes, it's Katie Floyd's birthday. Katie Floyd, of course, being part of the uh, Mac Power Users podcast. Yes? Yeah, we'll put a link to that. I believe the show it, today too. is her birthday. So, Sweet. Uh, Happy birthday, Katie Thanks, Floyd. sweetie. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm putting it in the show notes right now. Outstanding. All right. So, so yeah, so Slack, maybe we'll add that. Let us know what you think. Sh- shoot us an email, those of you that are premium, uh, ma- premium at macgeekup.com. 206-666-GEEK is the phone number to call to uh, leave us messages, and you can do that whether you are premium or not. So, And John, geek, if you don't have letters on your phone, what is geek? The numbers, at least in base 10, are 4335. And you can visit us on Facebook. We actually have an awesome community there. Facebook.com slash MacGeekGab. In fact, I believe at least one question from this show came from Facebook. So it's it's a great community because not only do you get uh, us to answer your questions, you get the whole community. In fact, most of the time you get the community before we even see the question. So it's fantastic. You got to check it out. Facebook.com slash. Yeah, we had actually, some good, go, to, uh, go the other way around. Go to MacGeekGab.com slash Facebook. It'll bring you straight to the community. It's an even better way to get there. Cool. No, I, I, I was just part of a, uh, uh, we had a little uh, router uh, discussion in yeah. Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Because I got a new toy and I, I have to contribute what, what I've learned. Absolutely. It's awesome. Thanks to the folks right. at Cashfly, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com for providing all the bandwidth. And of course, thanks to Michael Johnston for years and years of, of AAC chapters and all that stuff. We'll um, we'll figure out what we can do with uh, with Michael going forward. Now it's now we have this extra resource, so it's like we have extra stuff we can do. So that's good. Thanks to Michael. He produces the iOS show uh, podcast as well as GetAppler.com. The podcast marketplace includes Gazelle, of course, at gazelle.com to sell off all your old stuff. As we mentioned in the show, Smile, Text Expander 5 at smilesoftware.com slash geek. Linda, L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash M-G-G for 10 free days. Bushel at B-U-S-H-E-L dot com slash M-G-G for three free devices for life. 
squarespace.com slash mgg to build it squarespace build it beautiful otherworld computing at maxsales.com and of course the folks at barebones software at barebones.com folks have a splendid short rest of your week because we're going to be back on sunday but between then and now i do want to wish you this one piece of advice that i learned on my vacation i won't tell you how i learned it but i did learn it and i followed it don't get caught made up